0: So, keeping with our analogy, is the SRDF style, is that is that the jet?
1: <laughs> That's probably the that spaceship. The Concorde, maybe? Uh, yeah, I mean, it—,
0: it again, The Concorde it is, is dead. You can't compare okay. it to the Concorde. Sorry. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All Podcast. I'm your host, W Curtis Presson, aka Backup AKA Backup AKA backup,
1: backup Man. Backup man.
0: Uh, I'm your host. I'm your host, W Curtis Presson, aka Mr. Backup. And I have with me a uh, couple of guys from around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Prasada. How's it going? Good, Curtis. How you doing? I'm doing all right. It's, it seems a, like you're I'm, having
2: problems like forming words or sentences. I, uh, I, I'm,
0: I don't know. It's, it's, I am, I, I am having a weird word day. Coffee? Um, I've, I've had enough coffee. It's, you know, it's one 30 after, maybe I, maybe it's Too time much? for my nap. Maybe it's time for the, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the afternoon crash time period. Oh, um, that sounds good. But uh, yeah, it does sound, we should all learn from kindergarten and take a nap. I have news for you from Southern California. Ooh, what happened? Dodgers won the World Series. I'm just I saying. know you're
2: super excited. I'm not a big baseball fan, well, to be
0: honest. I, I, I can only take pride as a Southern Californian. Uh, I, San Diego also has a baseball team. Don't they the have the Padres?
2: Padres? Yeah. Yeah,
0: that they, they we do. It's literally our only, like, you know, professional, not only professional, but only. What what would you call that? Not major, minor league, major, you know, major, major yeah, yeah, major professional for right? Professionals the big before, four. right? Yeah. Um, it's the only one that we have here left in San Diego since the Chargers, the Chargers move. moves, or as I call them, who we have with us uh, a, a, a another guest. I, I, I we have with us a, a an industry veteran, Druva CTO Stephen Manley. Welcome.
1: Ah, I'm excited to be here. I'm practically drooling. I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> so, so apparently you had a little dent a little dental situation today.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, the dentist and I are, well, you know, I'm one of his favorite people, I'm pretty sure, financially speaking. I, <laughs> I, I have been blessed with many things in my life and bad teeth is one of them.
0: Are you, you're, you're at a, you're at a, a phase in your life where you're now a, um, a cautionary tale as, as I am, a dental cautionary tale?
1: yeah my my kids uh yeah, my, my kids will watch and just go yeah we should probably floss like, I, yep. I was yeah. just
2: going to say they're probably looking at you and being like oh my gosh that's what it's going to be like in like 30 years yeah we should get started on this early yeah,
0: yeah. i i was uh uh like yourself i was an anti-dentite um for for many years and i finally, my wife and I, who had avoided the dentist chair, we we were basically, um, there's, there's a word for it, but it it means people that were scared to get into the dentist chair. And we finally went in and the two of us spent like together, we spent two complete days in, in a dentist chair. And our bill at the end of that one event together was $11,000. Um, happy anniversary honey yeah that was just to bring us up to now we're going to start working on you like this is this is we're going to recover you to this point and then then we're going to start working on you uh so yeah so brush kids brush and floss
2: like growing up like i had braces and other teeth related Mm -hmm. things so i was literally at the dentist's office like every month
0: (laughs) as was i which is why i ended up uh, (laughs) hating it so much right Actually, um, that is actually, true.
2: I don't go as often anymore. I'm actually getting better at going for my six-month cleaning. But yeah, my, before, I
0: avoided dentists. My childhood dentist was uh, uh, President Ford's cousin. And he was, I believe, the dentist that they based the the, dent- the dentist character in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, um, I musical. believe he was the actual person, you know, where basically he's a sadist. And so he that's why I became a dentist. That is, I believe that was our dentist. Um, so anyway, all right. I, I'm just, I'm my mouth is starting to hurt. So we have to start talking about something. So last week, we had a Matt Starr, the CTO of Spectrologic. They had published this uh, ebook that compared the cost of using Glacier Deep Archive to the cost of using a fully populated, you know, fully loaded uh, Tfinity tape library from Spectrologic, and the the cost comparison was quite stark, right? Uh, because I was shocked, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because I mean, in the end, I mean, tape we've we've always known tape is cheap. That 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 that, that has literally been its only selling feature for a long time, right? And so, and and the bigger you get, the tape, the cheaper tape gets, right? So the Tfinity library can store an exabyte of data with uh, LTO9 tape drives. Because at that point, um, you're just paying for
2: the media, like the robotics right, and the libraries right. are basically it, still, or tape drives are still the same.
0: Yeah, it's it actually gone. costs so much more to fill it up with tape than it does to buy the library in the first place. And and the fact that you pay for it once, and then you get to use it for 10 years, right? Right. And they even factored in some cost of replacement of some of the stuff in the process, right? Um, And also that power and cooling for a gigantic tape library is relatively small. It's not like a gigantic disk library. And then they compared that to the cost of Glacier Deep Archive. Uh, I'll put this out that the three of us, actually, all three of us actually do work for Druva, but this is not a Druva podcast, and the opinions that you hear are our own. And while I, this isn't a, us versus them, because that use case is a very different use case than what we would typically uh, position Druva for. That is a we we actually talked about media asset managers and like Captera, Sitecore. Um, you know, these are all tools that
1: Captera is the one that uh, that a lot of the sports teams
0: use gotcha um and, and and i you know being in southern california i've worked with a lot of the the media media and entertainment companies and this is that sort of thing like i'm i just made a movie and i used red cameras and so i created 10 petabytes of <laughs> of data that i want to hold because in 20 years i'm going to do the director's cut that they wouldn't let me make uh, 20 years ago and i need all the original stuff but i'm not going to I need to store that reliably and for a really long period of time. And that and, and I think for that use case, tape makes a lot of sense. So does Glacier Deep Archive, but definitely the two are going to be different from a cost perspective. Does that, does that seem fair?
1: For, for, for a million years, I've been a fan of design centers, right? You, you design a product to solve a specific problem, and right. if you do that properly then, you know, you should end up with something that's well-tuned
0: for for that. And And this system is well-tuned for that. Having said all of that, I've spent the last 10 to 15 years of my life helping people transition off of tape for backup and recovery purposes, right? Which is a very different use case than what we just described, right? This is I'm going to put, I'm going to copy a bunch of data from A to B, and then occasionally copy data from, you know, B back to A, and maybe we might copy some data from B to C for, for DR purposes. Hopefully we do that. Um, and tape became really problematic for that use case over the last 10 to 15 years. And I know that both of you have worked at companies where you made a lot of money, (laughs) <laughs> solving that particular uh or let me rephrase the companies that you worked with made a lot of money you know solving that particular uh challenge that that tape presented
1: so yeah so one certainly for me it's been 20 years right uh, if you go back to when when at netapp we introduced the whole snap mirror snap vault line and then obviously you know data domain's entire slogan was tape is dead move on or no, right. tape trucks move on, and also yeah. tape is dead. You know, we need we had both because it was important to, to be really clear. Um, yeah, you know, I still of have things, one
2: of those magnets, by the way, with the truck, with the moving oh, truck. Yeah.
1: You got it. Uh, so, so one of the interesting things, though, if you if you think about it, um, is it's always been a two part conversation in in the backup world, and I think too often we haven't had the second part of the conversation, which is look, tape is not great for backup. Uh, you know, if I want to restore something relatively quickly, if I want to do this uh, without a whole lot of, you know, sort of operational overhead, you know, tape's not your friend. Uh, but then the flip side is if you do want to store, let's say you want to store backups even for seven years, storing them on disk arrays was also not a great answer. Uh, right. and, and And I think in the last couple of years, the the new entrant in the market, and you kind of mentioned it, was was things like Glacier Deep Archive, which can do things that a a sort of boxed in disc array can't. And so so now I kind of see a world where there's where there's, you know, sort of you know, I can do things on more active disk. I can do things on, you know, sort of the Glacier Deep Archive style disk. And then, you know, like we said, for certain types of use cases, uh, which are generally not backup, but more like media archive, you know, you can, you can use tape. And so I think that's actually been a big shift in the market. Uh, and, and, and the interesting part in it is, um, I think too often we're looking at this as Glacier Deep Archive fights tape. When it's really more that Glacier Deep Archive fills in that gap we've had for the last five, ten years where disk couldn't really stretch long enough, but people knew tape wasn't the answer either. So I, it, I, I think it's been interesting.
2: Is it almost like, if I think of it slightly differently, in the storage um, arrays themselves, you initially had like fiber channel disk and then they added SATA and then SAS disk. And then they went the other way and added SSDs and NVMe and all the rest, and kind of like the different tiers within the box, and they never ever filled out that long term retention or the lowest cost possible to be able to handle the long term retention needs, which is why you need to tape and other pieces of storage media. But now Glacier Deep Archive kind of helps fill in that gap by kind of giving you something that looks a little and feels a little bit like disk, but not quite.
0: But yeah, but at it's, the but at the same time, though, it's it's still cheaper to put that on tape. But like when, again, when we talk like really long-term, but I think, I think the point I would make is it's kind of like saying a boat is cheaper than an RV, right? It's like, okay, but those are two entirely different things that accomplish two entirely different purposes. So, so the question is, is it, and it's not that one is bad or one is good. It's that What's the use if, case? <laughs> yeah, it's the use case, and it's if if you're using uh, whether it's Glacier Deep Archive or S3 or regular disk, it, there are things that you can do from a data management, data protection, disaster recovery, all of these things. There are things that you can do that you simply cannot do if you're storing all of your data on tape. Does that does that seem fair?
1: I think that seems fair, and and I actually think you know sort of following on that thought to your to your boat uh, and RV analogy, you know, if I buy a boat and I expect to use the boat to travel around the country, I'm going to be super disappointed in the boat because yes. you know there, there aren't connected waterways that get me from point A to point B. I'm and also be
0: out. quite disappointed if you try to use your RV as a boat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both ways, right? And and, and and I think the lack of options. Uh, in, in that sort of long-term retention backup space has led to a lot of the disenchantment in, 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 in that you get the camp that says, well, you know, your, your deduplicated disk array, that's not good for long-term retention. And the answer is it's not, but that's not what it was built for, so you're misusing it a little bit. And then on the other side, well, you know, my tape's not great for these these sort of long-term retent, retention backups. And you look and you say, well, you know, kind of like the discussion you had with uh, the Spectralogic CTO, that's not really what it's built for anymore either. So yeah, when you misuse a technology, and I get why people do it, there wasn't another option, but when you misuse it, you're gonna be unhappy. Uh, And so both sides were unhappy and pointing at the other as being wrong. And the reality (laughs) is that the problem was, just no one was solving that problem yet. And and so you had people in RVs that were trying to, trying to you know, go on waterways, and you had people on boats that were trying to drive down a freeway, and both of them pointed at the other and said, you're ridiculous. And the answer is, yeah, you're both ridiculous. And, you know, we need a better answer in between.
0: I tried, I for my analogy, I tried to pick two things that are kind of cool. I didn't want to say, you know, bike and RV. <laughs> I didn't want to be insulting. You know what I mean? Um really? And and it's also, like you said, the
2: tape versus Glacier Deep Archive. It's not like Apple versus Android, right? Because those are basically two of the same phones. They both serve the same purposes. They're just different, right? It is, like you said, it is more like the boat versus the RV.
0: Yeah, I know when we talked to uh, Matt, we did bring up a few points, right? That one is, at least I think we brought these up. I I don't know if it's fair to compare the cost of just one tape library to Glacier Deep Archive because there are, you're talking about multiple availability zone copy, you know, automatically created copies in multiple availability zones with Glacier Deep Archive. Whereas with a tape library, you literally have physically one tape library. You could have a physically other separate tape library or you could hire a service like Iron Mountain to hold on but then you'd also have to you'd have some management cost of creating those copies and all of that stuff but let's go let's go back to backup because th- that um I, I i would have no problem with somebody using for if they if they've got data like we talked about that they want to hold on to for 10 years and uh they don't mind the management of having to create multiple copies and physically move them around. I, I have no problem with using uh Spectra for that. What I'm talking about is what you know, the three of us help do help people do for a living, right? Which is protect their data that they're creating today, protect it against ransomware, protect it against uh disasters, um and and Protected in such a way that, you know, as inexpensively as possible and with as little uh, management cost as possible.
2: And I think also to be able to use that data for other things other than just backup and restore, such as? Uh, sorry, like you were saying earlier, Curtis, uh, such as disaster recovery. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Right. Other things like that, analytics.
1: I think the other one, just to stay on the backup and restore, and I know uh, the three uh, the three of us have spent a lot of time uh, over the last few months, uh, I think, learning some new applications, right? Whether it's Kubernetes uh, or it's Microsoft 365 or it's Salesforce or all these new technologies. And I think the thing that constantly stands out to me there is if you were simply to stick a bunch of data whether it's on a, a, a storage device, a disk device, or you were to stick it on a tape device, without the context, without the metadata, without the understanding of how these things tie together, without without you know, understanding the application and what the customers are trying to do, I think that data is not only inert, I, I think it's almost uh, unusable, especially five, seven, ten years down the road, because without any of that context, it's just a bunch of random bits that has no correlation to anything else, and and I think that the backup industry is evolving towards requiring better understanding of applications. It's not just backup the, that VM, backup that NAS server. It's it's expecting a lot more context. And I think to be able to make that work, you've got to be able to link the data in a in a more online manner. I think it can't just be totally, you know, sort of offline anymore. And then you've got to link it to, to what you know, I, I lovingly call the metadata center, but, but again, that metadata engine, that brain that says, I know how all these things tie together so that the data alone may not be useful. But what I can do with the data is exactly what the customer is looking for. And, and, and I think that shift in the backup industry is just starting to happen. But I think it's going to have some some pretty significant reverberations, not just in terms of where we store the data, but even just you know, what what backup and restore mean.
0: Well, I know if you go back to 25 years ago, plus you know when I first started this whole journey down backup lane, um, we backed up. Servers and file systems, two tapes. We put those tapes in a box, and ninety nine point nine percent of the time, we never pulled them back out of the box, except when we were just putting them back, you know, into the server to to, to put more backups on them. Right? Um, there were uh, there was one set of tapes that we actually used pretty regularly, which was the the backup of the file server right the basically what, what what now would be a netapp or something like that we had a we had a, a server hpfso1 i still remember the the name of it um and that one we restored every once in a while because it was um user uh user data that would get mucked up my favorite was when when a user would call into the uh, to the help desk and ask to have a file called resume.doc um, restored in their file system And we're like, resume dot doc? Is that how that's pronounced? It's not pronounced resume. (laughs) They're like, no, no, it's totally resume. Totally resume. Um, But yeah, very different back then of backup had one use case and tape was pretty good for that back then. But two things happened. One is tape got way too fast for its own good. We've talked about this multiple times on the podcast that the problem with tape had, was never that it that it got too slow. That people always talk about, ah, oh, tape's too slow and it's unreliable. It's actually more reliable and, and, and good at storing data long-term, but it actually got too fast. And so you, 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 you started creating all this management problem around trying to make tape drives happy. So that was number one. And then number two, Persona is the stuff that you've been talking about, which is that we now use backup for so many other things than what we did back in the day.
2: Yeah, be it ransomware analysis to understand unusual activity or whatever else you want to do, right? Things also, you couldn't do if it was just sitting there idle, right? No. And who wants to pay to just have a bunch of backups sitting there doing nothing, right, when there is value in that data and things that they can understand and gleam from that data?
0: And, and also, when you look at DR, DR back in the day versus DR now, DR back in the day was a box of tapes that you pray to God you never had to open up, right? Right. Um, and, and then you, you you needed a bunch of servers and a bunch of stuff to restore stuff to. Now, DR can be an actively ready-to-go um, system that can be um, fed with the backup data that you're storing uh, in the cloud. And, and And that's just a very, again, going back to the RV versus boat analogy, if that's what you want, you're not going to be able to do that with tape yes <laughs> you're you're, you're, not, you're nodding you're nodding profusely and I, I, I am think. nodding
1: profusely I, I, yeah i mean i i think uh i, I think that
0: uh,
1: you know the world of dr shifted uh, at some point uh and 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 i think has been shifting right I, you know again when i when i started out uh you know the 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 platinum standard in dr was srdf which was uh, and having worked at EMC, an extraordinarily complicated solution that did a really good job of synchronous mirroring and then
0: it, bin a, file wasn't it was it a bin file no oh it was. it was uh, you know we we we,
1: we you know I, I met with people who actually built the product who i mean again a phenomenal what they did phenomenal work to make that work but super complicated just you mm-hmm. I mean, need like a full time full time administrator to manage it um and and then NetApp kind of came in and said, yeah, or you could just kind of go you know periodic mirroring like hourly for a lot of your workloads hourly, right? I mean, you know, how much how much important data do you make in an hour? And 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 then and then I think there came that moment that when we realized, well, this is all on disk, where we said this concept of an on-demand restore becomes a lot more viable. Uh, where it doesn't have to be actively spinning on the high-end stuff, but it just needs to be available. Right. Well, that's interesting. And then you throw cloud in where you can just grab resources on demand so you don't need anything standby. And you start to see that, again, does this mean that you never need SRDF anymore? Absolutely not. Right. Going back to to, to our analogies, if you need the the high-end synchronous mirroring that's gonna work for your mainframe plus your high-end like SAP instances, then you know, SRDF and synchronous mirroring is amazing. Uh, You know, if if you need five minute kind of RPO, RTO, snap mirror is amazing. Uh, But for a lot of your VMs, for a lot of your workloads, you know, an on-demand restore in the cloud is more cost-effective, simpler, easier to test, easier to run, and you look at it and you say, yeah. I mean, this This gets me to a point where I never imagined I could be. Going back to that, you know, we always struggled with that box of tapes or super expensive, complicated DR. Now it's like, no, again, there's a middle zone. And and I think that's been the real secret in cloud is that whether it's long-term retention, whether it's disaster recovery, cloud keeps finding these these sort of spots in the middle where we weren't able to cover before, and and the new tech enables companies to build solutions uh, that, that that wasn't uh, possible in the past.
2: And especially around the DR, like you were saying, Stephen, for those virtual machines and other workloads, it was cost prohibitive before to even offer anything to for companies to provide for their end users. And now with the cloud and spinning up resources on demand, they can now cover a lot more of their environment than they could before and offer those new solutions for their end users.
0: So keeping with our analogy, is the SRDF style, is that is that the jet? <laughs> That's probably the that spaceship.
1: The Concorde <laughs> maybe? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 again. The it Concorde
0: is, is dead. You can't compare um, it to the Concorde. Sorry. <laughs> I'd say it's a spaceship. Um, we'll go with the spaceship, yeah. I mean, really great. Okay, yeah, because it's com- it's a completely different mode of travel, right? Yeah, I, you know, again, if what you need is a spaceship, then the fact that it's way more expensive than an RV is irrelevant, right? Um, it, it, it's, I I guess the, the point is cost is an important factor, but you also have to look at the overall cost of your entire world. If you're able to do these other interesting things,
1: always know your requirements. And, and and that, that, (laughs) I mean, that gets me to my last, you know, sort of my last pet peeve on some of these long-term retention pieces is, you know, I, 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 again, I talk to customers and I've, I've done this for 20 years, uh, are you sure you want to hold this backup data for 10 years, 15 years, 30 years? Uh, because if you're doing it just because the business is, it doesn't want to make a decision, um, do you understand the risk you're incurring? Do you understand the cost you're incurring? And, and a lot of times, again, the backup team gets it, right? Uh, so, so it's a discussion more with uh, the, the senior folks, the head of IT, all the way up to the CIO of, do you understand what you're signing up for here? Uh, Because, for example, if you simply store the data, but you actually aren't confident you can restore it, that's a liability to you, right? Because you've set a policy that you can't manage when you go to court that's actually bad. Uh, if you have a policy that you can manage and the policy says one year, that actually tends to fly in court again unless you're violating a you know a regulation.
0: Right, right. And, and,
1: and so so one of the things that we always encourage our customers uh, and I've done again forever is look, if you want to store this for a long period of time, we can do it. Right? There's uh, and 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 there are better options now than there've ever been. But this is also a good opportunity uh, especially, you know, big moments, like we're going to shift to a SaaS backup, we're going to shift to cloud, to to force that conversation again, and, and say, why, why are we holding it for as long as we are? And do we need to hold all the data sets for that long? Or can we shrink this down? Uh, because it makes things a lot more manageable. And so
0: yeah, I, it, I've i always been a fan of that conversation. And, you know, and again, to go back to the the thing that started this whole conversation, the the if we're talking about media asset managers, that's a completely different conversation about storing data, specific data that you want to store for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. That's a very different conversation. But what you're talking about is holding on to backups. I've I've worked with customers that have infinite retention on their backups, right? And and they mean it and they keep those backups for I, I remember there was a large Net Backup customer in New Jersey that I worked with, and they were very proud that NetBackup had added features into their product in order to enable them specifically to be able to hold on to their backups, their net backup backups for decades, right? And and I was just like, why would you do that? You can't you can't search. Like net backup is not, uh, you know, it's not a long term storage mechanism. It, the, the fact that you have the data, this is kind of what you were saying earlier the fact that you have backups for that long period of time, if you can't do federated search across them and easily extract that in one fell swoop, what you've created is a giant cost liability if and when you ever get an electronic discovery request, right? Um, and and, and, it's, and if you're in the United States, it's more when than if. What, would you agree there?
1: <laughs> yeah, especially as, as privacy regulations expand and subject access requests from employees, you're just going to see more, not less, uh, I think, over time. And I think this, again... You look for forcing functions, right? To to, to have that conversation because it's tough. It's tough to say, well, it's a Wednesday at two o'clock p.m. and let's go talk to you know the big bosses about our retention policy because they're going <laughs> to look and say, well, why today? But if you can find that forcing function, like CCPA coming out or or January first next year, there's a good chance you'll get C- well. Certainly, the enforcement of the employee side of CCPA comes out, then there'll probably be CPRA that'll pass. Each of those are good moments, uh, enhancements to GDPR, a good moment, or again just a shift in in what your backup uh, approach is to to cloud and SaaS. Is, All good moments to to force that discussion and say, yeah, yeah, let let's talk about this.
0: Is CPRA is that the the ballot initiative that's on the ballot right now?
1: Uh, I'm not sure it's on the ballot. I think there's something on the ballot. There's something on the ballot. Yeah, it, okay, it ballot. Ballot? Yeah, okay. that
0: was about privacy. Yeah. Um, as I did my civic duty or I am doing my civic duty and voting
1: During podcast. Yeah, no, it's fine. No, not
0: now. <laughs> not now.
1: It's fine. I mean, persona and I'll just keep carrying the water here. It's okay. I'm
0: yeah. just saying, please vote. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if, you, if you don't vote, you don't get to complain. That's one, this of, is my, like one of my Curtis's
1: one
2: time
0: to do a civic duty and get people to vote. So
2: yeah, he's allowed. Otherwise um, no politics on the podcast.
0: Yeah. No politics. Just vote. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I I like that. I I I I believe strongly in the idea of using forcing functions to help. Com- because a lot of times, it's it's not it's it's rarely the backup person who is saying we should hold on to our backups forever. It's some random person who doesn't understand the ramifications of that, asking them to do that, and then the person doesn't have enough, you know, pull in the organization to undo or- that. Or it's even the fact that they don't even know what they need to do and no one tells
2: them really. And so they're like, I just got to keep this forever because no one's actually figured it out from a business requirements perspective, what they need to keep and how long to keep it. And they're like, it's just safer to keep it forever rather than me figuring it out.
0: Yeah. And and unfortunately, and that is is whether it's that person or other people, that is often the the decision that's made. It's like, I don't know what we should delete. So we're going to keep everything for a ridiculously long period of time. And the thing that the point that Steven was making and the point that I'm continuing to make, which is that's really the wrong default decision. (laughs) The default decision should be something very short. I I worked with a, with a company, uh, a, um, what, what do you call a biotech company and their director of it. His, his thing was, two weeks he basically said I, I'm gonna put a retention policy of two weeks on everything and someone's going to have to order me to to store to store data longer than that now that's the opposite of extreme uh, but boy he saved a lot of money on uh, disk and tape
1: the, the, that's an interesting thing cuz uh ha- having having worked with the company that uh, that did something like that what it did lead to was uh the primary storage actually ended up exploding uh because no one ever deleted anything at that point
0: interesting so they actually
1: uh they are like well all right uh, i'm going to always make a copy of stuff before i start doing things and and so, rem- so it backfired a little bit
2: yeah, that also reminds me of like the Oracle DBAs who are like, I don't really want to deal with the backup team, so I'm just going to start doing database dumps to primary storage.
1: Oh, yeah, the number of VMaxes that were just filled with database dumps. My goodness. Yeah.
0: People will do what people will do. Uh, you know, we we have a, a podcast that we recorded that is going to come up um, after this one, and it's um, we have um, Vanessa Tovez Who's a Microsoft 365 uh, expert, and she she likes the phrases. She likes the phrase uh, "users happen," right? Um, and that's basically what you're describing. You like you change this, or like when when they put um, another one is when they put uh, quotas on email, right? <laughs> the, the things that end up happening there, right? Suddenly the PST files blowing up, right? Yep. To sum up, th- there, there's really no debate to the, the the fact that tape is still cheaper than disk. But tape and long-term storage of certain specific assets is one very specific use case. And I, 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 I don't know anyone that's a specialist in the backup and recovery space who wouldn't agree with the idea that tape is no longer viable as a, a protection, a primary protection mechanism the way it was 20, 25 years ago. I uh, would say Does that seem like a fair sum- up statement?
1: I, I think that's I think that's hundred percent. And like I said, the only thing I'd add to it is in the last f- three years, I think we've seen more new types of, let's say media opportunities because of cloud that have mm-hmm. unleashed some new innovation that that we have not seen, I think, in probably the ten to fifteen years prior to that. so it's been it's been a good time there
2: and reconsider your retention policies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Consider default, like short default retention policies, rather than you are really setting your company up for failure. Uh, and, a, and I'm pretty sure I've told this story on the podcast before, but a, a perfect example of that. We had a customer that got sued um, and they got a discovery request against their uh, exchange backups. And they had a weekly full backup of exchange for seven years. And, and that's the way they chose to comply with the regulation that they were supposed to do that instead of using an archive product, right? An email archive product. And so what they had to do was they had to do, they, they got an e-discovery request for three years of email. So they had to do 52 times three oh. alternate server exchange restores. The cost they needed they needed to outsource it to us. This is how this all came to us. They needed to outsource this to us because they didn't have enough time to do this. They gave us dedicated servers, dedicated you know tape and all this kind of stuff, and it we had it was like. Three teams of three consultants, like we were literally working 24 hours a day. There was someone working on this this project for 24 hours a day. By the time we were done, the bill to that customer to satisfy this single electronic discovery request was close to $2 million in consulting. Um, and that was all because they stored, they used their backup system as an archive system, which they shouldn't have. And they did it for seven years. And, uh, and that was just for a three-year e-discovery request. Imagine it would have been $4 million if they went for six years. Right. Um, and the thing is that if you, the thing to understand about e-discovery, the federal rules for civil procedures, FRCP guidelines, basically say that if you are, th- these are my words, if you are dumb enough to have backup from 10 years ago, then you will be required to supply that data, yeah. right? You can't go, oh, it's really hard. Well, then you shouldn't have held on to it, right? So don't do that. So yeah, good good point, Prasada, that final point there. All right. Okay. Well, uh, thanks uh, for coming on the podcast, Stephen. Oh, it was a pleasure.
1: And uh, I think my mouth is almost not numb now. So uh,
0: <laughs> it was a good
2: time. I think I noticed, I think I noticed you uh, speaking better as the podcast went on. Yeah, did, there were you, certain
1: letters that I, as I tried to talk, I'm like, huh, it's really hard to say that word all of a sudden. Oh.
0: <laughs> That's funny. All right. And thanks thanks again, Persana. Thank you, Curtis. Always a pleasure. All right, so, uh, and thanks to our listeners, and make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all.
3: There was a file, but I deleted it. To bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See how I write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space. Emails from you remind me of when they keep me thinking that we could restore it. hoping that just for once it'll be completely done maybe one day it'll all look out you're sure some-